My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Sonia Trigueros. Uh, Sonia, very warm welcome to you and thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for this invitation. It's great to be here with you talking about everything. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And uh, just for those people that may not be familiar with Sonia, she is a nanoscience professor and the founder of NIVD World, um, a medical equipment manufacturer that is currently developing pre-symptomatic diagnostic technologies for diseases, which works by utilising uh, nanosensors. Now, uh, before we kind of delve into the sort of nanoscience realm a little bit further on the show today, Sonia, uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of your background, really, and how you sort of got into the uh, the business side of this, because... Um, um, you started out as a nanoscience professor, didn't you? Yeah, well, it's a little bit uh, weird, everything. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a proper academic, so I did my undergraduate and my master's and my PhD here in Barcelona in Spain. And then I moved as a, when I finished my PhD, I went for, a, I did a postdoc at Harvard University. And then I went to, to do my second postdoc at Oxford University. At least at the beginning it was for two years, but then I, finally I was 17 years. Over there, I really liked it very much. I like it very much there. And not only discovered the field of nano, but I mean, I'm a pure biologist, okay? So I don't come from the field of physics or chemistry. So when I discovered the um, powerful of the nanomaterials and the amount of things that we can do, I was from the side of the biolo- biological point of view. So it was a bit difficult for me to understand properly. And that's when I decided and I moved to the physics department within the University of Oxford, which was very easy to do, I, have, I must say. Well, easy, the movement, very difficult to understand at the beginning anything because from biology to physics, everything is different. And over there, I discovered them, not only the potential that they have, but I learned how to make them. I studied the properties. And obviously, always in my back, my back mind, it was always properties that I could later on apply on the field of biomedicine. Uh, there was, it was very early at the beginning. I mean, we knew about it, but we didn't even know quite a lot because most of the things we knew in, in vacuum. So when you work in medicine, you have to think about in liquid, in human bodies or animals' bodies, immunity reactions. So I realized there was a long way <laughs> to go. But I, over there, I discovered the, the properties of the nanomaterials. I did my first applications later on. After 10 years, I believe, I moved to the biological department, which is called right now, before it was the zoological department of, of Oxford University. And I developed um, one of the projects further forward to the biological steps. So it was all going very well. It was always an aside project that I was always thinking and considering too and making it, but it was more like a, an aside project. Very easy to do because I, at that moment, I understood much more or less the needs of the medicine, the nano properties and then I quite developed a lot with my different trips. It was like and it was like a hobby project I would say. Mm. In one of these trips I was invited to to Dubai for opening uh, with a nanomedicine talk opening the innovation hub. And that is, that is the first time I saw what is an innovation hub, what is all the people doing pitch from different companies. And I thought, hmm the other one, the, the, my lead project is impossible. It's very early, but the other side project is very to do it. And I will have. I was thinking quite a lot 
to take it to commercial side because no matter what, I mean, we do a lot of education, we produce a lot of information, we do basic research, it's essential. But as well, it is essential to take it to the market. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I have seen incredible ideas, not ideas, even developed ideas that never see the light. And now I know why. I mean, because <laughs> I decided to try. Obviously, uh, COVID pandemic hit me here, so uh, I had the time because I was locked down at home. Obviously, we were doing lots of things, but mm. uh, then is when I gathered together the team, looking for the first investors, and I started the adventure. Obviously, combining with my academic position, it's been amazing. I really, I'm, I'm in loving it, but it's very difficult. Mm. It's a completely different way of thinking. There is a lot of risk, a lot of different velocity of work. So I'm carry on doing it. I mean, it's been really good. It's a, a, it's a very, it's a fantastic adventure, but it's just, I'm loving it, basically. Yeah, I can imagine it is quite tricky, isn't it? Because you're sort of moving from kind of an academic background into sort of the commercial world, where, again, there's a lot of stuff that you're unfamiliar with. And it's hard as well to sort of divide your time between the two, isn't it, when you're balancing the roles? Because... Um, when you get a permanent role as an academic, especially in a senior fellowship role, for instance, I mean, it's very, very time consuming. So to balance that with trying to run a commercial business, I mean, I can imagine that that's, uh, that's quite tricky. No, it is really, I mean, obviously my academic career has been affected, it's normal. So in order to get much more time to dedicate it to the first two to three years of the company, uh, I have to step down a little bit on my academic position and that's normal and that's one of the things that people would, wouldn't like to do because it's quite risky i decided to do it because the technology is ready because i wanted to experience this and if i've always complained that why i don't have why we don't see these technologies into the market i think that sometimes you have to stop complaining and trying to do it now i can complain if i complain but i know why mm. it's been very it's been amazing obviously we have a team that fulfill the gap of your knowledge which is a lot it will be impossible to do it. You need a lot of support, and I'm not talking support on money. Forget about that, which you need it. I mean, support on everything, because the language is different. I don't know what they're talking. It was kind of similar when I moved to from biology to physics, the first month that I was not understanding anything. You know, this kind of meetings and meetings, I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so now I look at my notebook from that meeting, and I, I have learned a lot. I think that I have done an MBA right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter, like I say, you can be such an expert in your academic field, but it just goes to show, doesn't it, that there always is something uh, more to learn and we're always in that constant process of development, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I and, think that, yeah, sorry, I think it's important to be constantly learning, right? Yeah. But at the same time, this has actually put me in a situation that how useful it will be to teach other students when they are undergraduates to teach basic concepts. So I'm doing this right now. I decided that... Uh, to, uh, within some of the lectures that we're doing to start teaching innovation, entrepreneurship, what it means, because we are seeing more and more and more often people going towards industry after they do the graduate or after the business. It's a completely different world. They are not, we, are, we never talk about this world, right? And you can, obviously, you can enter into industry at different levels. You can be more like a technician or something. But if you want to be in your own business, I mean, I would encourage everybody to try if you like it. Otherwise, forget about it. <laughs> if you don't like it, forget about it. 
yeah, you've got to be willing, haven't you, to really sort of get stuck into it and sort of put in the uh, the hard work because just building a business overnight and uh, making and monetizing it, it's never going to happen, is it? You've got to really go in there. You've got to do the market research as well. You've got yeah. to sort of bring people on board. It isn't an yeah. overnight success, is it? I mean, it takes yeah. a lot of real hard work and application. Yeah, but I'm very lucky. I've been blessed with the team, to be honest. So when we, the team was, we were building the team, the team are very nice. So it's a pleasure to have meetings with them. I like to meet them time to time. Obviously, we are in different countries mm. uh, currently, and it's difficult to meet us in person. Plus, we did everything. The biggest effort we did when we were locked down. So I, some of the people on the team, I know all of them right now, but some people I talk, I don't even know them in person. <laughs> it's been very challenging. But I think that as academics, we like challenging, you know? Mm. And... What I mean, I don't know what the adventure, how it's going to be the end of the adventure, how far we're going to get. I really hope to see this technology in hospitals everywhere. But I always think that even if I don't make it, the past was really fun. You know, I met very interesting people, mm. very helpful, very nice. Yeah, and like I say, you talk about the fact that you're sort of spread out in different countries and yet still doing such a fantastic job. And I think that's part of the legacy of COVID, isn't it? I mean, video technology and sort of communication has come so far since then, and it gives us really the ability to uh, to do that. You're absolutely right. And uh, just kind of like moving into sort of the uh, the realm of sort of study that you're that you're involved in at the moment, uh, nanotechnology, nanomedicine. Um, just to kind of you know, decode it for the people that might be tuning into this. People hear these words and they get this sort of idea about, a, you know, sort of a big sexy technology that's going to make us live forever, <laughs> I guess. Um, but just in simple terms, uh, what actually is uh, nanotechnology and what's what's the idea of it? What's, uh, what is the future of it in your view? <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Like, the name and everything. Also, uh, to be honest, the last movie of James Bond with the nanotechnology and this mm. robot and everything didn't help at all our field, to be honest. It didn't help at all because we do in science, not science fiction. Mm. It's actually nanotechnology. Okay, let's start. So nano, we call it, it's, a, it's materials that have one dimension below 100 nanometers. So it's very, very, very small material. Long time ago, it was discovered that materials that we know, like gold, silver, copper, that we know when you have them at this small level, so this very, very tiny uh, size, they have new properties. Mm. And it was the whole uh, discovered these new properties, like, wow, that's a boom. So better electric, electricity conductors, uh, super paramagnetics, uh, color changing. I mean, it, it was very difficult to start at the beginning because nothing was normal. Mm. So it was really shape everything and Obviously, the first thing, and then now technology, is the application of this knowledge. So mm. it's a technology that comes for the application of the knowledge at the nanomaterial, at, the, at that level. So nanotechnology hit the market of us, basically, more into electronics, computers, because it's faster, right? It's like you have now screens, you have now technology in your iPhones, in your iPads, everywhere. It's everywhere. We have, uh, for instance, in a sport, uh, like tennis racks, they make them lighter because we have graphene, which makes material lighter. That's another new property. Mm. We have it in in clothes, everywhere. However, obviously, when you think about medicine, because it's inside the human body, it's toxicity, it's regulations. So we know that nanomedicine is going to be the last one. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to try. Okay? Mm. <laughs> so the sooner we start, the better. But it was very risky because everything could fail. 
So back to that time, I was like, okay, <laughs> let's see that works. But then my first projects were start working. So when we talk about nanomedicine, or the application of nanotechnology in medicine, you have to imagine what I actually did, okay? There are different approaches, but what we more or less did our community is like, so what are the biggest gaps on medicine, okay? Can nanotechnology, can nano do something to it? It's worth it to try. Obviously, always, always it's worth it to try. But at one point, I, I, I remember, like I said, like, wait a second, I don't, I don't know enough to try this. Mm. So I need to go a step backwards, learn a lot of the nanomaterial, and then come back again. So to understand for people who are listening to us, uh, there are big different uh, part or groups of medicine that we are actually working uh, mainly, for instance, all we all know that we're having a problem with antibiotics. Mm. We're running out of antibiotics. In the next five years, we're going to have a problem, seriously. So the way that we think is, okay, how these properties can actually help in this. So we're developing new carriers that we overcome uh, a lot of the problems of, um, of bacteria becoming resistant antibiotics, but we are at the same time developing novel antibiotics like materials that have properties, antimicrobial properties, we do have them. Now, obviously, you have to be very careful because they have to be a, 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 antimicrobial but don't induce any um, toxicity into us, the immune system. So these are all very, very slow. But we are really, really into this, and it's quite advanced. It is amazing. We already have materials for air purification, water purification. So slowly we are getting there. Another field of research is regenerative medicine, obviously. Or, for instance, materials for transplants, like organ transplants or prothesis. All these kind of things, nanomaterials can actually bring a completely change. Now, um, it's complicated because we still don't know quite a lot, but we're developing as well, as we call right now. I mean, now people actually understand better because thanks to COVID, because COVID has brought things mm. good to us. Everybody knows now what is the vaccines, how difficult it is to have uh, delivery systems for vaccines. So you know that most of them were, some of them were like with adenovirus. Now another technology is trying to develop non-viral delivery systems of RNA, not only for the vaccines, but for gene therapy, for cell therapy, all of that. We're working really hard on that, and this is going extremely well. And one of the things that uh, my company, or where I, where, where I opened the company, is on the other side, on diagnostics. Because I was developing a delivery system for cancer cells, so drug delivery or oligo delivery. And when I have a very good efficiency system, but every time I got it into vivo, basically when I reached the tumor, uh, even though the technology worked in a very, very high efficiency, I realized this the tumor has so many cells that it's just going to be a miracle where I need more than a high efficiency. And then I start thinking how I can actually make it more efficient to treat every single cell. And there was no way. The only way I found is like, what about we don't diagnose this earlier? A tumor grows in your body for quite a long time. Why I have to wait so long to be diagnosed mm. and then treat it? If I could treat it before and there will be less cells, therefore my stem technology will be more efficient. And that's where I come on the idea on developing uh, a pre, uh, early diagnostics uh, with nanotechnology. So I did it, I developed, I proof of concept, they were developing, I, see, I saw it work. There are many different types of sensors that we can do. 
many different things that we can take. They work at a very sensitive level, so we can detect a very low level of a biomarker, which is a molecule that is telling, hey, you have something here. Mm. And that's when I opened the company. So like, let's do it. <laughs> Otherwise, this is going to be another cool idea in the lab, and that's it. So that's the story, more or less. And that's more or less what nanomedicine is about. There are many, many things. Eh? Just wait and see. In the next few years, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's incredible. It's got a, a limitless potential by the sounds of it, hasn't it? And uh, the challenge about it is what you alluded to, I suppose, earlier. It's kind of finding a route to sort of get it all to uh, to market, but also make it sort of affordable, commercially viable, because I suppose at the point in time that we're at at the moment, I mean, this technology is going to be extremely expensive, isn't it? So it's getting it to the point where it's almost kind of normalised and that's going to, uh, to take time, isn't it? Well, it's not that expensive. I mean, now I, I make all the numbers on the contrary, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the contrary, because it's they are so sensitive and it's so easy to work that not because it, it has this fancy name, it's going to be that expensive. No, no, not at all. Mm. <laughs> it's cheaper than current um, diagnostic system that we have. Also, in terms of, well, I mean, just focusing on diagnostics, but let's talk about even in antibiotics. Everything is to work earlier than the current medicine is working. So then you not only reduce in terms of production, but you reduce on the cost of hospitality, the health care costs in general. You not only have to think about the tool that you're bringing to the market, but how this tool will reduce the cost in the overall system of health system, like days in the hospital, surgery, MRI, MRI scan, all this amount of things that we have to go through. And this is where we are. So this is our scenario, right? So working all together, because that's something really good as well from COVID. It put us all the people together, from hospitals, scientists. So now we have this incredible network. And when you talk to the doctors, you know what they're missing. You know what they need. So I was doing something, and they told me, no, no, Sonia, don't waste your time. You just go for this one. Tell me this or that. Don't don't do that, because I don't care about this part. Just focus on this. Like, well, thank you. <laughs> that's kind of like, say, four years of my research. But one thing we have to remember, like, nothing will the life unless we support and we invest in basic research mm. because you can never apply something that you don't understand then there is another risk to take it to the market and the biggest risk which is something that i will face soon is like how this technology will reach the people in the hospitals or in the point of care okay so there are three big steps here that we all have to work together. I know that it's going to be impossible. I'm trying my best, <laughs> okay? Mm. I like, I'm very interdisciplinary, but now I'm just even moving towards industry and commercialization. But I think that with COVID, we saw it pretty clear. If we all work together, it doesn't need to be 100% of the population, obviously. But if a small team works together, we can make things happen faster. We have a vaccine in eight months. Eight, wow. Hello. That was incredible. Mm. Vaccines take years. 15 years, but there was pressure, there was need, there was like uh, a lot of people, we stopped anything that we were doing and we were start all working together with COVID. I, I mean, for me, COVID was, I mean, I heard about it obviously, but there was not any model, this model system, but all my knowledge went to COVID. We all did that. So we have, I mean, we have an example that if we put together people with this knowledge, we can make things happen, but I don't need another pandemic. Eh? I'm just trying to, <laughs> to make the people aware that uh, with the an unfortunately event of this pandemic, there was something positive. Mm. Exactly right. And we saw 
like we saw some of the big pharmaceutical companies who are usually market rivals even trading intellectual property during the pandemic didn't we so that's that's a huge um sort of uh marker as to how actually you know when we club together and share knowledge i mean we can achieve so many uh, so many great things and that was something positive to really really come out of the uh, the pandemic as well and something mm-hmm. that also really resonated with my, with me as well sonia that you said earlier as well is that uh when you sort of came to sort of building your own sort of business to try to you know sort of commercialize the uh, the diagnostic technology it was not wanting it to just be another idea in the lab that doesn't go anywhere and sort of having the determination to really take that forward is why you sort of took the plunge with this and I think if there's any message that anyone tuning into this who has their own big idea really needs to heed I'd say it's that one isn't it if you've got a big idea and you want to go and do something just go and do it take the plunge and no matter what it takes yeah, go and do it, try it, enjoy it, because otherwise you will stop. But the most important idea is leave the idea out, try it. And like, look for the people, build a team that can help you. Because no matter how big, how big ideas we are, we always have big ideas, right? But you need help, and you need to know, and you need to put in your head that you know nothing, okay? And you on your own, you will not make it. You need a team. Academics, we are pretty good on working with teams, but sometimes we not that good on let other <laughs> finding mm-hmm. people that help to fulfill your knowledge. We have we are academics on basic research. We have no idea what is this adventure. But if you have an idea, look, there is help, there is support outside, and that's something that I I was surprised how many people I could reach, how many people were willing to help. Oh my God, I mean, I'm enjoying every single meeting from investors to uh, healthcare, everything. And I thought like, why did you know that before? Mm-hmm. If I would have known this, maybe I would have done that before. I don't know. So that's why I'm trying to bring an education because as an academic, I'm doing lecturing. I try to bring this message to the students because the students right now, they are, they are 21, 22, 23, but hey, these are the generations of nano, mm-hmm. you know? They are the ones. So uh, I I had the opportunity to have over the summer to, and I'm still here, two girls, very young. And I said, look, now is the time. This is to build a company. They saw me super stressed. <laughs> they saw me super happy because when I spent my work, they have seen me like, oh my God. So now they know what it is to build a company, right? And I think that it's mandatory for academics as well. If we do have some time, because <laughs> I'm doing thousands of things, to start teaching at the graduates, what is this? What is innovation? What is entrepreneurship? What what the skills require? And if you don't have them, don't worry. Somebody else will have them. Just seek for people and help and go for it. Why not? And I think key thing as well is don't be afraid of sort of the failing side of it as well, because innovation ultimately is trial and error, isn't it? And not everything is going to work and you keep going, keep going until it works. You fail. I mean, we fail. We fail. <laughs> we fail several times. But, well, there's one thing. If you're in, in the academy, okay, for quite a while, doing experiments in the lab, you learn this because in the lab nothing works. It's very difficult. Science is very difficult. So all the experiments, my experiments that we do, they don't work. So you slowly develop this tolerance to failure, <laughs> okay? It's mm. risky. It's very risky. And every time that you fall, okay, Give you some time, go home, go to the gym, do whatever, and the next day, come back. Let's start again. 
And one day, I mean, one day, maybe one day you say, okay, I have enough. Okay, nothing happens. You just try. You know, like, but the only thing I would say is people are listening and thinking to do it. The important thing is, especially have people around you that can help you. People that have done it before. Because for me, one day, I was really, really depressed or stressed in one moment. And a friend of mine told me, come on, Sonia, this is normal. I like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this happens very often. This is innovation, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, let's pull back again, you know? So there are people outside looking for good ideas, even myself, very happy to help people who want to do this. And But yeah, you have to be a risk taker as well, okay? And you know, risk is always value, depends on which personal life you have, how much you can risk and everything. So, you know, Make a business plan on your own life and decide to do it looking for people, yeah. Yeah, fantastic advice indeed for anybody tuning into this as well. And uh, just to remind you also, if you are tuning into today's episode and you, you know, you particularly resonate with some of the stuff that we have discussed today on the programme, then do feel free to reach out to us via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us. You can, of course, leave a comment on the show or you can even, if you have your own perspective to bring to the discussion table, apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply as well. And that goes for if you have your own topical matter or issue that you'd also like to uh, to bring to the discussion table as well. Um, Sonia, it's a shame that we're starting to uh, to run short of time on today's programme because I've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion and it's been really eye-opening and really enlightening for uh, for me personally and I'm sure the listeners also feel the same. But just before we wrap things up, um, we've talked an awful lot about you know, where nanotechnology and nanomedicine is going over the next few years. But if we say fast forward one year from now, um, where do you sort of see yourself and uh, your business by then? Are there any major milestones that you've got sort of lined up between now and then? In one year, you give me one year. In one year, <laughs> in one year. Oh, I think that one year our business is going to be in a um, quite a stable position. I mean, bear in mind that we are going out from, it's very difficult to say right now because we have to think we're going out from a pandemic, okay? We still, uh, situations, politically speaking, situations are not very stable. We are into a, going into a recession, we know economical recession, so all of this will affect. But hey, we will manage. So in a year time, I think that, uh, uh, let's see, I, can, I don't want to overpromise anything, but we're going to be very close to see something on hospitals for sure. That's for sure. I will do my best. If I'm not in one year, maybe in two. But we are, myself and my team, we're doing the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. The, these things do take time, don't they, of course? And um, who knows where we'll be one, maybe two years from now on this uh, oh, the development of this technology. After what we have gone through, we through, thinking what we're going to be doing in five years, it's like, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just keep doing it. Keep, keep going, isn't it? It's what innovation's all about. And I'd certainly love the opportunity, Sonia, if you would, to uh, catch up on the show and just see how everything is uh, sort of developing behind the scenes because we're in a constant state yeah. of flux with these things. And, you know, we might even have a big development today or tomorrow. You, you just never know, do you? So, yeah, it'd be great for me to, uh, to welcome you, you back know. on. Never know indeed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and to all tuning into the programme today, I do hope that you've thoroughly enjoyed today's interview with uh, Sonia Trigueros, um, academic and founder of NIVD World. And of course, best of luck, Sonia, with uh, the development of this technology. Really is going to be a game changer if we get it to where it needs to be. And uh, yeah, do take care and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up um, in the future.
Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. And bye. So, bye, Sonia. And to everyone listening in as well, I've been your host as always on today's episode of the Leaders' Council podcast, Scott Chaloner. And to all, do take care. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>